think I may have crossed a threshold in my geekdom. I ordered Captain Marvel sneakers this week. <laughs> I don't know much about the Captain Marvel um, story. I only know a little bit from what I've seen people mention on Twitter right. and from doing a little bit of reading on like Wikipedia. But I, I I just recently started getting into buying like nerd paraphernalia. Like I, I started buying pins. Yep. I started getting comics. Yep. I have my um, my Dora Milaje t-shirts that right. I got for when Black Panther came out. So And that's what I'm saying. Like I'm hearing that list and I'm going like check, check, check. <laughs> now I have crossed into a whole other level with kicks. Yeah. You know? I, I think Yeah. I don't think I've seen anything wait, no, I'm wrong. There um someone made some Wakanda passport folders, you know that oh. you can put your passport in. I really want to get one. I think you need that. <laughs> Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil, Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode two hundred one of the Matinee Cast. It's a movie-loving podcast on my movie-loving website, thematinee.ca, your home for cinematic passion and perspective. This show begins a new century of episodes, and I'm happy to be welcoming a new guest into the fold. And funny thing about that, though, because this episode was planned when I merely knew this guest as a voice on Twitter. <laughs> then, about a month ago, I finally got to sit down with today's guest, and when she came to our local nerd drink up and on that occasion I couldn't wait to get her on the show because seldom before have I hung out with someone who is so much fun to speak with and more importantly just to listen to as today's guest thank seriously you. sometimes it was all I could do just to keep up thank you today we are back home after our jaunt to Mary Old and we welcome a contributor to the route to sci-fi and one of the hosts of so here's what happened to the show Carolyn Hines is here today how are you Carolyn Hines I am good finally glad to be in because I don't understand what's going on the weather in Toronto. It's sunny and windy and it's June. It makes no sense. I don't get it. Like It's it's <laughs> it's not warm enough for shorts. That's what's bothering me. I'm so annoyed. I'm hot, but I can't wear shorts. Exactly. That, that makes no sense. Exactly. Me. I have on a jacket. My sister and I, we left the house when I was coming here. We had on just like t-shirts. I left, we got to the end of our building and we turned right back around so went upstairs for jackets. Yeah, 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 that's right. On episode 201, we will be discussing Hereditary. We'll be turning the record over to play the other side. But first, we need to learn more about Carolyn. This is Know Your Enemy. So, you've listened to a few shows, you know mm -hmm. how this goes. Um, do tell, what is the first film you can remember seeing in a theater? Um, I was thinking about this, and I, the one that I have a clear memory of is Titanic. So, okay. yeah, that was released in, 90, I had to go look up the date, because it was 97. like... 97, December of 97. Yeah, because I was checking my age, I was like, am I sure my mom let me go and see this? And it was like, yeah, that's, I remember we went to see Titanic at the Globe Cinema back in Barbados, and it was a bunch of us that we went together. Okay. And do you remember how old you would have been? I was about 13, if it was, if it was December, so I was, um, so I was 13. Okay. 13, that's kind of late. I, well, I was 13, yeah, well, the thing is, is back home in Barbados, like, tickets were, movie tickets were kind of expensive right, back then. Right, right. And also, like, my mom wasn't going to let us go, my mom wasn't really a cinema person. Okay, so, the, so your parents didn't really take you? 
No, the when my sister and I we went, we went a few times before we got older with a few friends. Okay. If it was like for like a cartoon or whatever, yeah, and yeah. our dad would take us, or she would take us to the drive-in. Okay. So most of our stuff was most of our filming at um, theater experience was actually at the drive-in because okay. she could kind of control the environment. Right. She, like, you guys piss me off. I'm gonna drive out. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, you think parents want that control, like to just stop the movie and say yeah. that's it that's it exactly okay. so she she be like i can drive out of here anytime okay but titanic you remember it's titanic I and remember, you went yeah. you said you went with your friends um it was a, a, a group of us from the neighborhood and i've always been fascinated with period films really and um and films and tv shows so i went mean for the costuming mm. and also i knew the story of the titanic because i were watching a lot of national geographic so there was actually a documentary done before the film come out um, came out and i think it was probably with cameron um with james cameron with james cameron because if i remember correctly there's i always remember there's a scene where he's in the submersible mm -hmm. going down and they actually did a recreation of if they were to bring the ship up what would it, oh, yeah, what would yeah, it look yeah, yeah. like yeah, yeah. if they were to bring it up from from the from the depths of the sea, right? So I always remember visually because they showed like how the wood paneling would deteriorate and there's like dried seaweed. So like that really interested me. That actually what got me into wanting to see the film. Okay. Yeah. And the actual experience of like that night. It was it was amazing. One thing about I also saw people about watching films back home in the Caribbean, especially in Barbados, and at, particularly at this cinema, is and it's so different from here is. We talk, yeah, in the films, yeah, and it doesn't actually it doesn't take away from the experience. No matter what film you're watching, <laughs> no matter what genre, no matter the intensity, like talking, I find in the atmosphere, it makes the experience better. So I remember everyone was talking, especially with specific scenes, and people were like, "Rose, what are you doing?" And and there's the scene where you know they're dancing, um, in the in the in the storage, yeah, uh, storage, sorry, and she goes up on her toes, yeah, and like people got up and went, "Well, people are like." Ah! And it was like it was amazing, right? So it was amazing. I love that. That was a, that was one of the best film um, cinema experiences ever. Um, what's one of the last movies you watched? That's not one uh, one of the ones we're going to talk about today. I watched a Korean action drama called The Suspect with Gong Yu. He's the actor from Train to Busan. Oh, okay. So it I watched it on my phone through a website called Drama Fever. I've gotten I've recently the way a movie like that is meant to be seen. K dramas. I I actually I I could have watched it on. Um, on the TV, but I'm not sure if it's on, on Netflix, but I watched it through Jamal Fever, and I watched it on the bus, like, coming home from work. Okay. And I love the film. Okay. It's Korean action film, to me, is different to North American action. How so? And I think they pay more attention to realism, in that, in the fight scenes, you don't hear a lot of full, there's not a lot of special effects. Right. All you hear is, like, the connection between yeah. the bodies yeah, okay. and, the, and okay. like, the movement of clothes. So, like, there's no... Like dramatic music, right? So like a lot of the fight scenes are actually really quiet. So the only thing you're hearing is like the actors exerting themselves. And of course, there's fully artists like doing the sound effects and whatever, but mm. it's natural. It feels like it's actually coming from them. Yeah. And there's this car scene. I I have to. I'm gonna watch it over so I can time it. I'm sure this thing lasted at least ten minutes. <sighs> and it's one of the craziest car chase uh, car chases I've ever seen. See, now you're talking life. my language because I love a good car chase. It's, it was ridiculous. There's a scene where the car, he and the guy do like a Russian roulette and they slam into each other mm -hmm. and the car like flips over and ends up on top of another car behind him. I'm like, how did they film this? Oh, I gotta and, see this. Yeah, and there, there's this one where they're going down the stairs and he, what he did was so smart and I've never seen anyone do it in a film. He saw they were going, they were going down the stairs and instead of driving down front first, he actually flipped the car around and went no back. 
Oh my god. Backwards. I'm like that makes oh the, that makes Lord. so much sense because it's actually gonna protect the um the axle. Yeah. And the and right. So I'm like it actually makes sense to go down because the back of the car is higher than the front. Yeah. So it's not like um it's kind of funny because yesterday morning yesterday morning before I got about gone on about my day I started watching Baby Driver. Yeah. And a lot of what he puts that car through in Baby Driver would destroy the car. Exactly. Right. So I mean he's still a lot of times in control of it, but there's all these things. It's like you wouldn't be able to. You know, there's one time where he blows a tire. He blows one of the tires rolling over the the cops like yeah. chain, and I'm like, you're done right now. Like, if you're going on three tires, you're not going to be able to outrun all this other shit. Um, that's you, the scene on the bridge, right? That's the opening scene. The opening, the opening scene. Yeah. Oh no, because the, 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 the opening, the opening getaway. Yeah. yeah. Um, how did you find out about this movie? I found it through the website because I, I I started watching um, a lot of Korean dramas recently, and it was and I specifically looked up um, Gong Yu because Train to Busan is legit one of my favorite movies hand on of any genre okay and he was in another sh in a show that i watched recently called goblin okay and so i was like okay let me go and look up and see what other um, projects he's done that's on here and the suspect was there and i just started watching it and i, and I really loved it and i'm like and the, the flip at the end the the um the twist at the end was actually kind of hilarious i'm like <laughs> would have seen that coming <laughs> but like the action was really good and like it's really intense and like, so I, I like when actions is where action sequences and fight scenes are really realistic and right. they're intense and like a lot of his, um, his physicality, he uses his face a lot. Okay. So I, I got to see this movie. It's you're, really you, good. Okay. You've totally sold it's, me on this It's movie. really good. I got to see this. Um, what is one of the worst movies you've ever seen? I really tried to think of one and I couldn't. Because I've seen a lot of bad movies in my life. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say I always try to see the best in No, movies. like okay. there's some movies that are horrible, especially a lot of the like the movies in the eighties, a lot of eighties action movies. Yeah. And I was thinking so I was thinking, if we're gonna break it out tech um by technicality, okay, so I was thinking I watched a lot of um, martial arts films. Okay. So you know films were like um Silver Fox and yeah. like Jackie Chan. Right. And right. the thing that I also found hilarious for those films is like the audio never matches up right and like that would irritate some people and i'm not saying it's a negative but it actually made it actually made me more interested in those kind of films and like foreign films and everything because like this is what it is i'm like this is what i love about the show he's talking <laughs> and i'm hearing fight sequences like right. like who's fighting but but there's that but then a lot of the action moves in the 80s were just horribly acted Horribly written, horribly directed. Yeah. And I'm tr I am I racked my brain trying to think of one specific one, but I couldn't because I'm like, you know what? Even though they're probably, they're like horribly horrible. They're like just horrible. You try you try to put them out of your brain kind of thing? You, you try to put them out of your brain, but then sometimes I remember um, something and I'd be like, whatever is happening here. This None of this makes sense. None of it. What is a classic or essential movie that you've not seen? I have not seen North by Northwest. Oh, by Alfred okay. Hitchcock. Okay, um, are you big into the Hitchcock or? I I do like his films. I actually was it last early last year. Um, I was actually doing my own, I guess, you could say retrospective, where I was going through a lot of classic films that I haven't seen. So mm -hmm. I was trying to go through a lot of his films, and I didn't get through everything because I got distracted by other stuff too that was going on. So yeah, I yeah. never watched it, and um, because I watched Psycho, I watched um, Rear Window, I watched Birds, Vertigo. and Vertigo, but I didn't because I was kind of going through like the way how the list appeared on yeah. like Google it. So I didn't get to North North by Northwest. And I've always wanted to see it strictly for the scene where with the plane, you know, where he falls to the ground and the yeah. plane flies over. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good movie. Um, I kind of, it's, I, I wouldn't say it's, 
I was going to say something like it's a little under the radar. It's really not because it's kind of one of these iconic movies yeah. in, in history. But when you think Hitchcock, you tend to think things like Psycho and Vertigo mm-hmm. and you know those kinds of movies. Um, I actually saw last autumn, I saw a stage production of it. Really? Yeah. So what they did, it was kind of cool because they had on the sides of the stage, they had these two little cameras set up and every once in a while they would like do something uh, to, that they were filming and it would project behind the actors. Oh, cool. So like when they were doing the plane sequence, the actor was running around the stage trying yeah. to get away from the plane. <laughs> but there was like a guy sitting stage right with a little model playing. Going, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it it's like after like, after you see it happen once, like yeah. sometimes like they roll in the train and like a, yeah. you just go with it, right? Yeah. And it just it kind of becomes fun and, and kind interactive. of interactive. I like those, yeah. kind, of, I like those yeah. kind of things. That was here in Toronto. Yeah. I see. Yeah. I need to go to more of these events. Like I, I tell myself I need to get out more and watch more, go to more like retrospectives at like 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 the like box and other um, stage plays. I have not been to it's, stage I mean, plays. It's, uh, it, it's it's one of the benefits of living here, yeah. right? I mean, it's it's not a cheap city to live in, no. but you you have you have a lot of opportunities. Yeah. That's usually why I tell people it's it's why I live here, not in the burbs. Um, I, I yeah, you'll 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 enjoy it. It's it's got a great it's got a great story to it. It's not too silly. Um, Eva Marie Saint. Yeah, I think Eva Saint Marie. Yeah. I always get them confused. Um, she's awesome in it, and Cary yeah. Grant's at his Cary Grantiest. Yep. Last but not least, what's a film that, for any reason, you wish you'd made? Um, I thought about this, and one is Bell by Ama Asante. Mm. It's about Dido Bell, and I wouldn't necessarily say wish that I had made it, but I wish that I was there during the process of her making it. Okay. Because, as I said, I love period films. Yeah. But as a black woman like we we know when it comes to certain period films i'm all like black characters are always going to be portrayed one way right and that's either as a slave or a servant yeah and at that time in history she she had a position that uh, that many black women didn't have in that she was living in a manor house with uh with her uncle who was a part of the courts in england at that time making like massive decisions on like slavery and everything and um it to me, it would have been fascinating to see how Amma directed the how she did the research and how she directed the film because just to be in an environment where I'm seeing black black women wearing like the, this costume that sh- that many black women didn't have the opportunity to wear it, it to me it means that that's one of my favorite films strictly for, from that standpoint alone. Mm-hmm. But I love it for other things too. But also, um, I just want to be. I would love to be on a set where a woman is directing yeah. another black. A black woman is directing another black woman, yeah. right? So and so that's why I, I thought about it, and I was like, I would have loved to been on set when she was making that film. Um, I'm ashamed to say I still haven't seen it. You should. I know. I know. I really felt bad um, after last not last tiff but the tiff before i was there for the premiere of a united kingdom yes um and i mean that film's got its flaws but it's still i, I believe a good movie no, it's a really it's a really good movie. and i and i remember thinking like coming away from the movie i remember really thinking i really need to get on seeing bell soon um especially because like when you were mentioning one woman of color directing another woman of color yeah. i'm a, i'm of a belief that there's things in the capture that happen when there's a new eye on the on the process, mm-hmm. and when there's um, people speaking the same language. So, I said on the Tully podcast, the last the last full episode yeah. before 200, I was talking about how women talk when men aren't in the room. Yeah. Right. I I can imagine that 
uh, who's the star of Belle? Um, Gugum Bathra, she right. plays um, Dido Bell. So her and Amas like working together, yeah. I would love to watch that because I imagine they have a kinship and a, and a, and a you know, a united vision yeah. that you wouldn't get if it was a white boy directing it mm -hmm. or is any man directing it yeah. for, for sure. That's kind of like, I don't know, like when you were saying like you'd want to work on it, not to change it, but to just be part of it. Yeah. I would just want to witness that yeah. and just kind of listen and, and watch how it all works. Mm -hmm when different stories are being told by different storytellers with different people telling the story. Yeah, because perspective means a lot, especially when you're dealing with a subject matter where race is race and femininity plays a big part because she had to navigate not only as a woman in an era where women weren't really necessarily allowed to speak up, but she's navigating as a black woman mm -hmm. who lives in a household surrounded by white people and the only other black person that she's surrounded by is a maid. Mm -hmm. Right. And like there's this scene where she's getting her hair done and she like she didn't know how to comb her own hair. And the maid had to come and teach her how to comb her hair, like something as simple as that. Like unless you're a black woman or unless you're raising a house with black women, you're not going to get how important and emotional that scene was. Because like we know for our natural hair, you don't comb, you, you don't you have to start from the ends and yeah. work your way to the root. You don't start from the root and, and go to the ends because you damage your hair. So like the maid had to show her that. And it was like my sister and I were watching it. We were like who like a white woman is not gonna get that unless no. she's specifically told yeah this is how this scene goes like but i think something like that is like so comes naturally to like to women of color or, or even any person of color or any director like they're like certain things in their um background is gonna influence how they direct specific scenes that might actually influence how they include something as which may which may seem insignificant to others but is significant significant to other people no of course yeah. Um, no, that's a great answer, and I really got to see that movie. Okay, we are going to move on to the new saying, but a quick warning before we get there. Uh, our choice today, Hereditary, is a film that both of us believe is just something you need to see to believe yeah. and cannot be discussed <laughs> without getting right into it, like tits deep into this movie. So, um, spoilers are going to abound yes. if you haven't seen hereditary go see it and come back and listen if you don't care enjoy because we're gonna get <laughs> right into this movie hereditary is our new slang coming right up Hereditary is written and directed by Ari Aster. It stars Tony Collette, Gabriel Byrne, and Dowd, Alex Wolf, and Millie Shapiro. Hereditary begins with a death. Annie Graham, that's Tony Collette, opens the film with the funeral of her mother, a woman who is both cold and complicated. The death, while not unexpected, has cast a shadow over the Graham family. Annie's husband, Steve, that's Gabriel Byrne, and the children, Peter and Charlie, Wolf and Shapiro, respectively. Everyone tries to cope. Everyone does a crummy job at it. <laughs> Soon, there's another death, a shocking one that takes Charlie's life in grotesque fashion. This seems to be more than Annie can bear, and she craters. She weeps for Charlie, and she blames Peter, and can't even seem to find a balance, neither in the noise of the anger or the quiet of the sadness. It's at this moment that Joan enters her life. That's Anne Dowd. Joan saw Annie come to a group meeting for family members dealing with grief and catches her before she tries to flee another. She offers sympathy and empathy and seems to be a port in the storm. Of course, people aren't always what they seem, and pretty soon things for the Graham family get even more messed up. 
This is usually the part of the conversation where I like to kick things off with a question, tapping on a theme, something contained within the movie screen, or sometimes something outside the edges that sparks a broader conversation. Today, though, I sort of feel like clearing the side because when my guest left her screening of Hereditary, I was greeted by a single tweet that simply read, Dude. So, pop quiz, hotshot. Hereditary? I loved it and. <laughs> <laughs> for the for the main reason that it did something that another that no other film has ever made me do, and that was leave the cinema. Really, before the film was over. Okay, and I kind of regret leaving, but my emotional and mental state at that time it was like protect yourself, Carolyn, walk out. Yeah, and because um, whoo, that film <laughs> <laughs> like it takes like I mentioned this on Twitter, but it takes a lot to scare me. Um, and like. I was thinking about this. I was like, was I scared or creeped out? And I used the word creeped out more than scared because to me, scared is like if you're like afraid something bad is going to happen to you or you're afraid for the characters on the screen. Mm -hmm. And I say creeped out because this film was unsettling. Like it created like a visceral re reaction in me. Yes. And I was uncomfortable. I was looking at behind me because I know there was a guy sitting like maybe two seats to the right back and to the right of me. And I, like, there was this song we're gonna get into it like but there's these specific sound effects i kept looking back i'm like is he making this song oh yeah okay. am i yeah, hearing yeah. this yeah, yeah, is yeah. my mind messing with me right right and, like i wanted to i thought pull. i heard that sound this morning i heard it last night i was like carolyn i'm like my mind right so i was like carolyn you need to relax and but i wanted to pull my seat up into the my feet up into the seat with me i wanted to like hold clutch my knees yeah. close to me yeah. that's i kept i kept shifting my legs right because i was so uncomfortable right. and i was like so you know what's funny too? You went and saw it in the afternoon. Like I saw, you, yeah. You got to walk out into the bright light of day. Mm. I saw this thing at eleven o'clock at night. I'm glad I didn't see it at night. Oh my! I, like I came home and like tried to go to sleep. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I I I did not entirely know what I was getting into. Me I either. actually I, okay. I should actually say I this film wasn't really on my radar until you brought it up. Yeah. So first of all, you did this to us. That's well. Okay. <laughs> um, you gotta own that. I take phone. Um, okay. And. I I've come to horror late. I'm like I'm, I I didn't watch it much growing up. It's, it's only been the last few years. Yeah. And this is the kind of horror I actually really, really, for lack of a better word, enjoy. Um, I don't want you to gross me out. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to show me like drawn out visceral. Yeah, the psychological. Violence, psychological you know? is what I was guessing. Yeah, this that really messes with my perceptions and and gives me chills and like you said like makes me recoil like pins my back yep. into the seat this is what i want yep. in a movie and um I'm, I'm so glad that you sent me towards this movie um i did not know what to expect i, I started seeing the last week or so i started yeah. seeing ads about it finally and it started comparing it like to the exorcist mm. which a lot of a lot of people like to do yeah um it's not really it's it's, it's not that kind of movie it's well i've never seen the exorcist actually and, and there's a reason for that. It's like growing up in the Caribbean, especially in Barbados, like our culture is very um, heavily influenced by Christianity and religion, right? Mm -hmm. So like in my house, my mom would be like, we can't watch specific shows because she'd be like, is that demonic or like witchcraft or whatever? And like we would watch some things if my mom was at home, my sister and I really <laughs> wait till she go through the door and turn on the TV or go to the video store and rent something we shouldn't be watching. Right. But like that influence, like, so that creates like this, I was talking about it on my podcast and... Uh, so there's this inherent aversion to films dealing with particularly with spirituality 
are the occult and that kind of stuff. I, I might watch that. them. I would watch them occasionally because yeah. I like films that are, especially if they're horror or thriller, they're psychological. If like I don't need to see people getting like stabbed up to no, like to no. get afraid. It's more like like for Hereditary, as I said, it's psychological, but. I kind of knew that this may have involved um, spirituality, but I purposely did not watch any, um, did not read any reviews. I didn't go on Wikipedia to look it up. Um, I saw some people mentioning it on on Twitter, and I purposely didn't go into the hashtag to look for it because I said I want to go into this specifically with a clear mind. Because yeah. as you said, I used to watch a lot of horrors back in the day, and I didn't watch them for a really long time. And so, like, I only started getting back into horror because of Get Out and, like, A Quiet Place and stuff. So, mm -hmm. like, I wanted to go in with a clear mind. Okay. And, like, this film does deal with spirituality. And and it's it's not blatant. It's not, no. it's not very, it's, you know what I mean? So, like, you know it's about spirituality because they do mention things and you're, like, you're, you're realizing, oh, wait, a cult is involved. Yeah, and then there's certain things that happen, like the seance scene. I'm like, wow. So, like, I think that's also what influenced me to get it because I said, I'm like, Carolyn, I'm like Jesus. I don't know what I'm watching. I want to be able to sleep tonight. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, get up and leave. Yeah, it's it's crazy because <laughs> um, this film it's it's psychological. It's um, it's paranormal. Yeah. Um, and the, like, but especially when you start tripping over into like deliberately. Judeo-Christian mm -hmm. type of, of um, demons and spirits and that kind of thing. Yeah. That's usually where I get really, really touchy because yeah. it just, it kind of plays on my childhood. Yeah. Um, and I've had experiences, I, like I said, I've had the, what we would call demonic experiences, like after reading certain types of books or watching certain types of films. So like this one, I was like, I said no. Are you, yeah, are you okay? Like did you, you get the next three days? I got right? to sleep. Okay. And, I think, and I think I got to sleep because I left at the correct time. Because oh, okay. like, ooh, okay. I was, um, I may watch it again. Like I said, I told my friend on Twitter, I said, I watched it again in a brightly lit room surrounded yes. by people sitting close to me. Yes. Um, <laughs> I love that this movie taps on the dark things that we pass on and we inherit. Mm -hmm. um, because I mean, the more time goes on, the more we're realizing that we get who we are. Like who we are, we, we have a deep say in who we are. Yep. Where you know, where we, we have all kinds of control over how we conduct ourselves and what we teach ourselves mm -hmm. and what we learn. But there's things that are in us that just cannot yep. be helped. And it can be hard. anything from yeah. your health to your personality to your 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 outlook on things. This movie uses that in the most twisted ways yeah. and it's amazing yeah and i think that's i was thinking about it on my way here and i th it's ironic in that what caused me to leave was things that i picked up from my household and from my my mom and my upbringing and the film is about things that you pick up from your your parents and yeah. your upbringing right so yeah. I, th I thought it was like it's it's super ironic but it's also it, that's what i think was unexpected for me because the head thing that made me say this is too much is exactly what the film is about. Right. Right? Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it's intense. It's, it's the kind of thing that when you're in it, you might not realize. But the second that clicks in your brain of we're talking about literally what we inherit. Yeah. You know? Like we are talking about our, our heritage, our hereditary yep. nature. It starts to really just strike a whole other chord inside mm -hmm. of you and gets really disturbing. Yeah. It, it, I, I think where, where I started to get uncomfortable wasn't even ironically when Charlie died mm. I started to get uncomfortable when she started to when she was reading the book when she opened the book um, about spirituality and she had the letter and she saw the note from her mom yeah and I was like 
uh, because I have experiences with my mom and like we do kind of have like a difficult relationship at times. So I, I related to that. And I remember, and there's that. And then she was reading the obituary and her struggle to like the way she's reading that obituary, it doesn't sound like she's talking about someone that she was very close to. And she's oh, the eulogy. The eulo- right, I call yeah, it obituary, yeah, sir. Yeah, right, yeah. Eulogy. And she's reading it in a very monotone way. And she's reading it as though she was reading a script. Yeah. Right? And yeah. she and it was uncomfortable. Yeah. And I was imagining myself sitting in the congregation listening to someone read this kind of eulogy about their parent. And I would be thinking, what on earth did you guys go through? Yeah. Because she was like, okay, you know what I mean? So it was it was odd to me. And I think it's also kind of funny that they started the film with the obituary. I don't think I've ever seen a film where they start a film with the obituary. No, no, me neither. Never. And the thing that I loved about that trick is it tells you everything you need to know. Like, like it's... I didn't it, even get... I tried reading the whole thing, but it... I got it. Like, yeah. I, I read... Actually, I think I got through it... I think I got through it twice. Oh, okay. Um, and then she... She details it again in the group session. Mm. Um, and and it's, it's funny because both reading that obituary and listening to her talk in the group session and also kind of listening to her talk in the eulogy, yeah. I wasn't catching what they were trying to drive home. And the second that it's all laid bare and you understand what this family's curse is, what their lineage is, you realize... I should have seen that back at the beginning of the movie. I, I, it's like it was right I, I there. I have a theory about what about what it about what it's about, and okay. my theory is it's about hereditary, and we're thinking it's about her. It's about Annie and her mother, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking it's actually about her, about Annie's mother and Peter. And I could be wrong, but mm-hmm. because because there's something she mentions to Charlie where she's like, um, she always wanted to feed you. Yeah. And we we see when she do that when she did the miniature, and it's actually her mother breastfeeding. Yeah, we it's assume, just a messed up miniature. We assume it's Charlie, but yeah. I'm like, is this is the baby really supposed to be Charlie or is it Peter? Yeah, because she, like you know what I mean. Because when because and then also when she was reading the book about the the cult, it talks about the male. Yeah. So I'm wondering. So I was thinking, we think that it's about Charlie, but I'm wondering if really the the, the what they like what they really wanted was Peter. And it, it feels like it's about the lineage of this family and and um, the the hope to basically the hope to turn the male lineage into something else. else. And every time they try, it fails. It's kind of a it's actually kind of a neat little allegory for you marry a man thinking I think I know what you I think I know what kind of a man you are, yeah. and you know you can bring out his best and that kind of thing. Yeah. And he tends up not to be that way. But the, the men in this family just get destroyed in just the craziest ways like she talks about her father starved himself to death like that's insane yeah because he was schizophrenic because he was schizophrenic and then the son said like he had demons and the mother put them in her and you're hearing all this and you're thinking okay these people are all sick and all messed up and you don't clue in of oh no this is like they're laying this bare actually when when she said that that's when I began to pick up like he wasn't he didn't he wasn't a schizophrenic Mm. like I was thinking he really was possessed by demons because mm. it's the same thing that happened to Peter so when she was going through that I'm like these are the clues I'm like they're literally telling the yeah. script the, the, the film right here yeah. She's and I was like that's a brilliant method of storytelling yeah. because we think it's a bold she, move right because it's, it's exposition without being without being obvious yeah because she's saying okay so we think he's schizophrenic so he starved himself but I was thinking in my head as I was watching it, I'm like but did he really yeah he was schizophrenic but I was like but was he really mm-hmm. she put the voices in me I'm like I'm thinking she probably really did. This. <laughs> this is literally me in my head watching yeah, this. Yeah. And like, he probably, yeah. she probably really did put the voices yeah. in him, right? Um, 
Tony Collette in this movie is amazing. Amazing. She like she I was first of all, she she got her hooks in me in the first act because she goes through two very different kinds of grief mm. um, before this movie is like 40 minutes old. Yeah. And the beginning is that really threadbare weariness of um, caregiver's fatigue mm -hmm. of, you know, like the, the parent has finally passed on and you've taken care of them for months yeah. or years sometimes. And she just seems like she is absolutely burnt. Yeah. Right. And she's just trying to get her shit together and move forward. And she sells that as Tony Collette has done in the past. She sells that amazingly. And then Charlie dies yeah. and she just starts capital G grieving unabashedly. Like this is wailing and crying. Yeah, that and scene was screaming. super visceral in the in the cinema. Like I, I that was where screaming. I wanted to leave. Yeah, the scre her screaming was gut wrenching in the cinema. Like I remember, I was sitting and I I sat up. I actually sat up straight in the chair because the way like there's this part where she, like her pitch, she which is a pitch. Yeah, and I was like. And I, I started to like shift in my seat because I was like, "Good lord!" Like I, I wanted to cry. I'm like, I'm like, I want to give her a hug like that, mm -hmm. like the, 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 this because Charlie died so suddenly and in such a brutal way. Like this is how a mother would grieve either, and because there's all as you said, there's two ways that you can either like some people shut down, yeah, which is kind of what she did with her mom, or they just lose it completely. And um, but what also made that scene so visceral to me was the husband's reaction mm. to me, and I made a note of it. I was like he didn't seem very emotional and yeah. i was like what's up with that like he we he did we didn't see him cry at all i'm like maybe no. the scene was deleted or whatever or yeah. they left it on the cutting room floor but i'm like he didn't shed one tear he was empathetic in that he was comforting her but he didn't seem to feel the sense of loss that she did or even peter did like i and i to me that kind of made her grief even more obvious to me and like because like her husband her child's father is there and he's he's comforting her but he's like not on the ground he's like she's kneeling on the ground crying in grief and he's not even kneeling next to her he's like actually like standing over like awkwardly hugging her i'm like but you should be kneeling next to your wife and like clutching her too like where are your tears man yeah, get on the floor exactly it was even at the and even at the graveside it was like where so it was like what's up with that i mean it's it's crazy because on the one hand like it, like he could have been a whole other movie unto himself I'm actually really happy that we stayed with uh, Annie on this instead of drifting over into his story yeah. um, because it could be one of it could be all sorts of things he could he could have checked out he could mm -hmm. already be affected yeah um, he could be trying to keep it together yeah. like there is that in this movie too of him just trying to quietly deal, deal. Right? right there's like she is constantly getting up and going and sleeping in Charlie's treehouse and after like the second or third time, she says something like, "Oh, I can't sleep. I'm going to go down on the couch." He goes, "No, you're not. No, you're not. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I like that he calls her on it, but he doesn't turn it into a fight. Yeah. And he's like, "Do what you got to do." But you're right. Like we we could have had more from him. I just wanted something a bit more from him, and because to me his character was almost it's too muted. Yeah. Yeah. I I was wondering if that was purposely done for the direction, in like because everything for this film is either so like everything causes so much emotional and psychological reactions to it i'm wondering if the direction was like we need one person that settles so everything Possibly. everything isn't like everyone isn't like losing their shit completely so yeah. i was wondering if maybe like the intention was like we need one steady 
one person yeah. who is sane amongst yeah. this chaos. I also wonder, it's a very maternal movie. Yeah. I wonder if his his patriarchy might have muddied the waters a little bit. I, I, I know it, you're saying that yeah, you, want, yeah. you want, like, one more scene. Yeah, I just right? wanted something with him, like, sitting down, like, staring out a window, like, looking this one. Yeah. Okay, for instance, like, a lot of the, a lot of the scenes that, with, with Charlie, because she was in there focused on the treehouse. If there was maybe one scene with him like looking out at the treehouse, and we, yeah, we, yeah. we get the sense that he's thinking about her, right? But we don't really, we don't. From as I said, I didn't leave, I didn't see everything, so you never <laughs> know if it got. Every, but that's what I wanted. Was like, I want one scene where we see him acknowledging personally that Charlie's gone. Yeah, I want, I wanted just one. Yeah, I get. No, I do get that. Um, I kind of want to skip ahead to something. So okay, you know, we've been we've been dancing around this, and we're talking about how you left. Yeah. Um, I, I did make it to the end. You didn't, and what, that was the thing. I actually thought that we were going to have to scuttle this show until mm-hmm. you told me when you left because yeah. you got it. You missed, you missed one scene, two scenes, but like a scene so, and a half. So wait, how much longer? I because I was looking at my phone because I made notes during the film, which I normally don't do. But I was looking at my phone. I was like, how long is this movie? Because I didn't look up the movie you, time okay, either. Okay, so tell people you left when what, I left, what was happening, and then you were like, that's it. Okay, so it was the scene. Um, almost immediately after the husband catches on fire. Right. So we see Peter in the bed. Yeah. He wakes up. Yeah. And I just got this creepy feeling down my spine. Not even shivers. Yeah. But like, I just got my, my back felt tense. Yeah. And my legs were like, I I, I just started, I, and I think what was leading up to that was Tony Collect's reaction. Okay. After he catches fire. Like, she does this flip. Yeah. Where you can see where she's basically being, um, Inhabited by Charlie. She's being possessed, yeah. Being possessed by Charlie. Yeah. And the way she does it yeah. was so freaking awesome. Like yeah. there's no lead up. Like her face just changes instantly. And I was like, what? Okay. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. And so then we see Peter start to wake up and the camera starts to shift slowly towards the corner of the room. Mm-hmm. And I looked down and I said, Nope. Mm-hmm. Gathered my phone. And you went. Okay, so at this point I proceeded to detail to Carolyn the final five or ten minutes of Hereditary and while it was fun to watch her react to all of it and to go through the bananas nature of the final scene I don't really want to go blow by blow through it for anybody listening to the show just in the off chance that you still happen to be listening and haven't seen it because I really do think that it's something best consumed not heard so i'm just going to skip past what i told her and jump in on her reaction so everything's perfectly all right now we're fine Uh, we're all fine here now thank you how are you and that's all in the span of like 10 minutes this movie fires the gun empty in its final 10 minutes and it is all just so messed up and not at all like it, it never actually gets visceral it's all just there to mess, mess with, with your you. head. It's messed with you. Yeah, yeah. So like it got him in the end. Mm-hmm. And so then it makes you wonder. So what the hell is going to happen in the neighborhood then? Is he going to go on a rampage at his? There is. There. I guarantee you, there's another one of these movies coming. Is he going to? Is he going to go into school and rampage? So then you're thinking. Is he going to marry? Is he going to pass this on to somebody else? Does this demon lay in wait, or is he now like the monster? Hmm. Because then know? it makes you wonder now. Okay. So does that mean like? So. The women are the conduits. Yep. And they want the men. Yep. And the men have to be a vessel that survives. And but that's it the has thing. Like, none of the men in this family have been strong enough to survive it. Except for Peter. Except for Peter. 
that's why her that's why the husband caught on fire because i knew he was gonna catch on fire because when she was saying oh it has to be you it has to be you, i'm like because she was like it has to be you because i was thinking oh it kind of makes sense because she thinks because her arm caught on fire she's, she's, thinking, she's like you're she's yeah, thinking okay you, it has then to i'm be gonna burn because i'm gonna burn but i literally before he threw the book i was like he's gonna die yeah and he's gonna catch on fire because it's not him that it wants yeah yeah no I, I was thinking if it had been peter yeah. he would have survived um like the bird like he would have been able to throw the book because I, that's what i was thinking at the time because i was like he, the husband's not gonna make it you know like i feel for peter in this movie i, I of course listen, i really i, I deeply listen. feel for annie of course you know i think like, i feel for peter more than annie because peter like he he's traumatized in that the fact like he his sister died technically because of him not technically his sister died because of him well like, i he, said technically I, I, I said technically because he didn't put the deer in the road oh no that's what I mean, right? Like, yeah. he he wasn't trying to do it. It's like, she died because he was trying to avoid an accident. Yeah, yeah. Wherein both of them could have died. Yeah. Right? So he's dealing with that. Yeah. And then he's got all this crazy-ish going on. And I'm like, this poor bastard. Like, well, not only that, but I mean, after that, he's blamed. We know he was unwanted as yeah. a child. Like, his, his mother, like, that tells scene. him. And she confesses to him that she actually tried to, to like, um, multiple times yeah. to miscarry. That scene had everyone, like, my cinema wasn't that full. I think there's probably, like, max 20 people. But everyone at the cinema was like, oh, shit. Like, that, might, like, that might be the most horrific thing. I, she is yeah. in tears. Like, she is so fraught with guilt. And so, like, she just feels like a crumb just yeah. confessing that to him. And she can't stop herself either but the thing she because she blurs it out so suddenly she's like yeah and everyone in the cinema was like oh yeah, crap I, and it was like you bitch how yeah, are you gonna I'm tell like, your son something like I'm this like, this this kid is like he has already been dealt a shitty hand from yeah. birth and even if he had survived this movie without being possessed yeah. you gotta deal with all that I, I mean you know i feel for this kid i don't usually feel for the guy in these movies no i felt for i felt for him because like he didn't know what was happening and and like in you know what I mean? So it's like he literally had no he could like from the like the scene that really messed me up was this um a lot of scenes messed me up. <laughs> but I I because I made a note about like his acting and I think th there's a scene and I swear I thought he was gonna be possessed at that scene. Mm -hmm. I was thinking like something was gonna happen like with the actresses because so you know there's a scene like it's happening and he hears the song behind him. Yep. And the way he turns his head and the camera follows the way he turns his head i swear his head was gonna do a 360 right because i don't know how the actor pulled that, is that off the, is that the same scene where he sees his reflection and his reflection is smiling no that's in the classroom okay this one is at the house when oh, she does the okay. seance yeah, 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 yeah. and he hears like the right, sound of right. charlie clicking yeah and the way how he keeps his body still yeah but his head like follows the sound and mm -hmm. it's so slow but the way the camera like moves with his head yeah i thought his head was gonna do a 360 yeah because and I and I own it all to the actor because like his facial expression changes so gradually. Yeah. And that messed me up because like you could see in his head like he's beginning, this is when he's beginning to really get scared because then he tells the dad, make it stop. Because he knew something was bad was coming. He knew and like he was like, make it stop, make it stop, make it stop. And I was and like so you have that and you have like Tony Collette doing the whole thing with the voice. I was like Yeah, yeah. Um, so like that scene was one of the most trippy for me and it reminded me of um is it peaky blinders yeah with ava green yeah where the seance this the seance scene where she breaks 
that reminded me of that scene at the two of them. Like I had, like I was watching that at home, right? Okay. Blinders, right? And I didn't make it past oh, episode shit. three because, as I said, I don't really the whole occult thing. And I know it's a really good, story, but that scene with Ava Green, the t- Tony Collette reminded me of Ava Green, like the way how they just like transform their faces and their body, their like their posture changes and everything. I freaked out. I was like, yeah. I mean, it's it. Part of it comes down to his acting, and more specifically, his casting. Because um, Alex Wolf, yeah, he's not he's not like a typical pretty boy young actor. And he you doesn't know? look like anyone in the family. No, he doesn't look like anyone in the family. His features are like you know he's got the long hair. He's really slender. Yeah. He's kind of effeminate in some ways. Yeah. So it's it's kind of he's kind of the perfect young man to put into this kind of position. You know, he's he, he kind of can play. Um, not exactly a bro, and not some like he is somebody who actually can garner yeah. our sympathy um, for accidentally killing his sister. Like that—that's the thing. You have to take a character here who does something irresponsible, gets high, loses track of his sister, and we still feel for him at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, we should like we should be like Annie. We should be just. Blame I didn't him blame angry. him because of I was like, Annie, why are you sending your thirteen-year-old daughter to a, a high school party? Why? Well, he lied, right? But, but, no, but she should have known. I'm like, no. come on, lady. Because she was like, you need to get around kids. I'm like, why are you sending your child, your 13-year-old daughter, yeah. who you know is socially um, who's socially awkward, yeah. to a party where you she knew. Yeah. Like, there's no way she didn't know. She knew she like did. there was going to be drugs and stuff. Like, of course, she, well, that was the thing. Like, she asked him. She goes, are you drinking? And, and, he goes, and he goes, I'm underage. She goes, that's not what I asked. Exactly. Because right? she knows. She knows. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So when, so when I'm like, so that's why when he confronted her, he said, what about you? Or do you blame yourself? And I was like, yes, Peter, you, you tell her. Because <laughs> some of this blame lays at her door. Like, I'm yeah. like. No, this, this movie's amazing. Um, everybody in it. We like we haven't even talked about Anne Dowd. Um, as if she oh. does. As if she doesn't mess me up every Sunday on The Handmaid's Tale. I don't. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I start watching that show because I got problems with that show. It, but, yeah. oh, that, that show's dark. Not, not um, even about the dark, but about yeah. But that's another. That's story all. That's 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 it's all about uh, lack of inclusivity but, and that kind oh, of. Oh, it's so. I. Oh, I, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> it's it's crazy because on the one hand, like. We're talking about a movie where you missed the payoff, but you still got the whole thing. Yeah. We're talking about a movie that I don't think is genuinely scary, but my God, is it dark and my That's God, is I mean. it bleak. It's not scary. It's creepy as hell. Yeah. That's why yeah. I, it, I, it, it avoids no one jump scares. It, avoid, it avoids the typical tropes. Yeah. And it just tells you, all right, dumbass, you're in a dark room yeah. and you're by yourself. You're isolated in a dark room with nowhere else to go. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make you pay. Yeah. And I, it's kind of funny. I kind of, it's weird. I'm, maybe I'm a masochist now. I'm turning 40. I kind of like that. No, I, I appreciate films like this. For, because the director, well. yeah, he, he, like, he, he was careful in that, as you said, there's no jump scares, technically. Yeah. Because the music no. does a fantastic yeah. job. The sound editor did an amazing yeah. job. Yeah. Because, like, he uses, like, there's, he uses, there's a few scenes that I saw with the synth, mm-hmm. uh, with the synthesizer. And, like, it's almost... Like after, like you know, there's a scene with Alfred Hitchcock where you, um, his cycle, where you have that. Neep, neep, neep. Mm-hmm. It's like that, but right. it's not as obvious because that sound is for cycle is very sharp and yeah. it's insistent. And I was thinking about it, and it kind of reminded me, and I think I made a note about it. It kind of reminds me of Jaws. Yeah. In that, yeah, yeah, yeah. In that, you know, you get this dread in your stomach because sometimes in Jaws, um, you get you heard the theme but Jaws isn't around. Yeah. But it's there to build that tension in your stomach so you anticipate that he may be coming, but he might turn up five minutes later. But that yeah. that dread is almost 
like subconscious so mm-hmm. they kind of do it in that scene because there's kind of a few moments where you think oh something bad is going to happen and it happens like five minutes later yeah and yeah then, we know like, we know this presence is around exactly. but we don't know how it works how it's exactly. moving who it has like we we think there's a lot of times we think it has its hooks in peter Mm. Right, and and it certainly seems to. Yeah, like the scene in the classroom. Like, yeah, you think, oh, he's already thing, but then it, yeah, it was it messing him. with him. Yeah, no, it was it's, messing it's with him and messing with us. Um, okay, we end every we end every review here on the matinee cast with a souvenir, something tangible mm-hmm. or intangible. If you could take away from this movie and keep, you would. Um, Carolyn Hines, what would be your souvenir from Hereditary? I would take one of the miniatures, and the reason I would take one of the miniatures is the whole film is a miniature. Mm-hmm. in that how he shoots how a lot of the scenes are framed beginning that brilliant opening scene with the dad where like you close in on the miniature house and the dad walks in yeah i would i swore i was like is this film gonna be like this i'm like i'm here for it if the yeah, whole yeah, film yeah, takes yeah, place yeah. in miniature yeah and then the document i'm like okay so no like the dog is real so it's like not a miniature dog because right. it was like are we gonna watch like a tiny world <laughs> uh, like, you know, I, so I thought that. And then a lot of the scenes with the treehouse is framed like it's a miniature itself. Right. Because um, you have the, like, there's a specific, like, the scene is kind of fuzzy on the outside. Because I was wondering, wait, did she create a miniature of, their, yeah. of their house and yeah. the treehouse? And then I was like, wait, no, it's the actual thing, right? So yeah. it's like this surreal, like, you get a surreal, like, things. So I said I would take a miniature of the set of the house and the treehouse. That's I like what I would like. My souvenir actually is that treehouse like i want to go okay i don't want to go hang out there if that's where uh, no. the darkness collects um but the red was the, yeah now I mean, that you saying that i was thinking about that i was like saying so that's where like technically the demons are dispersed they have it they that's where they hang out right the, like, the treehouse the so. treehouse in the attic are seem to seem to kind of be like the the altar for this for this thing i was wondering about that because the the red light because like when we first see the red light turn on, I was like, what the hell? It's and then on. we realize it's because of the heat warmers. Yeah. But then there's this scene where Peter's laying down. This is immediately after Charlie dies. Yeah. He's laying on the bed and he's looking out and the, the light is reflected in both of his eyes. Yeah. And like, it was creepy as heck. Well, and it would be too, because he doesn't expect anybody out there, right? Like he, doesn't, he doesn't think that his mom is going out there to sleep. I wasn't even thinking it was- It would uh, mess me up. I didn't even think, I wasn't even thinking uh, a heat lap, but, but it was yeah. just this intense, right? And so when, before we got in, I was expecting to see like something yeah. weird going on. And then it's like, oh, this mundane shot of her lying down sleeping. So like, that was brilliant. Yeah. And like, you expect something uh, horrible to be I going still, on. Still, I want to hang out in that tree house. I just want to go sit there and read or something. No, I don't. During the day, in the morning. In the you morning. Know, when the light's out, that's it. Um, okay, we rate here on the matinee cast on a scale of one to four stars. Carolyn Hines, what do you give Hereditary? I give this a four. <laughs> because it, it made me running. leave. Yeah? It made me leave. <laughs> and I used to say, if I could stay in the cinema to watch the entirety of Transformers 5... You can handle anything. I can handle anything. I could not. Okay. Um, I am giving this a three and a half just because I feel it was a little wee bit long. Like, it's... I feel like we could have trimmed like 15 minutes. Not much. Okay, so I would ask you, sure. what would you take out to trim it? What what, would, what scenes would you have taken out? The, uh, we come back to her art gallery wanting her to work a few too many times. Mm. Um, I, I understand the metaphor. Yeah. Like, you know, and I, I do like that it gives her a reason to keep coming back to those miniatures. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would have to like take, I'd have to take a long look at the script. Um, yeah. I even even just down to that final 
that final climax feels like it goes on a while. Mm. And don't get me wrong, I was wrapped while I was in it, but I wouldn't mind tightening it up just a little bit. It's not terribly long. It's no. really and truly. I wonder if it's because of how you feel that you're 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 like saying, "Can this please end?" Maybe that's maybe, maybe that's what it is. Maybe, but I mean, it, it, that that's that's and I mean, it's the it's the smallest yeah. quibble. When I when I do watch this again, I mm -hmm. probably it'll the, those nerves will have burnt in, yeah. and this will be a four for me. Um, it's an amazing movie. If you yeah. have any thoughts about seeing it now that we've told you some of the broader strokes and you can just kind of let it hit you um please go see it if you think that it's way too scary for you i would not blame you this is a scary ass movie watch it in the daytime sure it's still a scary ass yes. movie um maybe you think we're wrong uh maybe you think that we're underselling this movie that we're overselling this movie mm -hmm. let us know ryan <laughs> at the matinee.ca twitter where i'm matinee underscore ca or facebook.com slash dark matinee what do you think of hereditary come on back after this we're going to talk about a few more movies turn the record over play the other side We're back. She's Carolyn Hines. I'm Ryan McNeil. It's Matinee Cast 201. We've been talking about Hereditary. We're going to go a little bit deeper down the rabbit hole, uh, talk about some other movies. What? I mean, there's so many that we could pull this towards. What were some, what, what's a movie that you immediately thought of would make good further reading after Hereditary? I thought of two films. Okay. And they may, they may seem obvious, but they're for two very different re reasons. There's Get Out and A Quiet Place. Okay, so we, we talked about Quiet Place um, just a few episodes ago, so we won't talk about that for too long. But what did you? What did you, How did you get to think about that? How sound design is used. Oh yeah. I and and the reason I say sound design because even though a Quiet Place is very um, quiet, mm -hmm. like, but there is the way how the quiet makes you on. It makes how it makes you feel. That mm -hmm. like you mentioned on your on the podcast with Lola. How, um, as human beings, we tend not to really like being in a place that's completely silent. No. Like silence is literally deafening because when we're someplace that's dead silent, our ears start to actually—you can feel your ears searching for sound, and like there's this—it gives you this unsettling feeling. Yeah. And I kind of got the same feeling with um, uh, quiet um, with uh, hereditary. hereditary because as I, I mentioned to you um, in the break, I kept hearing the metronome. Right. And it, that kept giving me okay, there's something about the, the sound and the sound design so i think the, like you have a film that's very subtle with sound mm -hmm. in hereditary and then there's a film with practically no sound yeah so I, I like to watch one and then go to the other would be i think would be a really good um um experience it's funny because one of the you know i, I uh, a few weeks ago i came back from a from a trip um that i took and there wasn't a whole lot of time on the trip where i was really off on my own yeah. Um, you know, you travel with somebody, you're yeah. usually attached to that person the whole time. Um, but there was a moment in, during the trip where I was walking in a very, very big park. I was walking in Greenwich Park. Mm -hmm. And I got, it was like just around twilight, like just around sundown. Mm -hmm. And I got maybe half a kilometer into this park yeah. and I realized I can't hear anything. Yeah. I'm like, I can't hear cars. I can't hear people. I see people, yep. like not many, because it's kind of night evening now. I can see a handful of people here and there, but all I could hear was like 
the occasional little bird mm-hmm. or like a frog or something like that. I'm like, this is a little messed up. Like I'm, I'm not, I was never nervous to yeah. be off on my it's own. Just, it's, it's weird. It's just an odd feeling, right? Yeah. I, like I actually, I'll, I'll put it at the end of the show. I actually took a little 30 second recording of what was going on around me. Cause I'm like, this is crazy that mm-hmm. I'm in the middle of a very, very busy city and I can't hear a thing except for these birds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was the thing that we talked about on that episode was how it turns the theatrical experience mm-hmm. into something even more sensory. Maybe that's why you couldn't stay. Yeah. Maybe if this film, maybe if this film was louder, or if it didn't pay as much attention to the sound design, you would have been able to stick it out. But the thing is, is like for me, I'm a, I'm an auditory and a visual learner, right? So I pick up on songs like a lot. So yeah. like sometimes if I'm like if I like classical music, okay. and sometimes what I I find myself doing subconsciously, I'll hear a piece a piece of music, and I'll listen it to one time. One I'll listen to it once, and then I'll be picking up. Okay, I'll be listening specifically for the violence. And then the next time I listen to it, I'll be listening for the trombones. Mm. And then the next time I'll be listening for the drums, right? So right. I mean, that's what I mean, right? So when I so when I was in Hereditary, I was picking up different songs at different times. So at one time, as I said, I heard I'm hearing the metronome. You said you didn't hear, it, but I'm like I am I am hearing a metronome. So I'm looking for a piano, or I'm looking for this metronome to be somewhere. And then there's like later in the film, I'm anticipating hearing the sound of Charlie's click. Yeah. And or then there's later in the film. I'm listening. I'm I'm listening for like a rustling that we may hear. Like you know what I mean. So yeah. like I, I'm hearing that. And so then for a quiet place, uh, because as I said, I'm an auditory um, learner. I listening for sound that may never come, mm-hmm. depending on the scene. Yeah. Or if there is, or if there are out there, I'm listening. I was listening for the sound that their feet make on sand. Like people think walking on sand is quiet. It's not. No. Right. So I. I it's quieter, I, but it still makes. It's quieter because there's like this grainy sound, right? So yeah. I I'd be listening for that. Yeah. So that's why I said be a really uh, the two of those together would be a really good experience. Okay. And also I pick Get Out for visual cues. Well, okay, we'll come back to All Get right. Out in a second because that, like that one we we haven't talked about we we touched on it on this show before but we never yeah. really talked about it fully. Um, one of the first ones I thought about was a film from the '70s called Don't Look Now. Have you ever seen this movie? Mm. It's, it was, Tell me what's about. Sometimes I. It's one of the no ones that's actually been name. really circled as far as one of the influences of Hereditary. Yeah. So I'm kind of this isn't. The most original answer. Yeah. Um, it's about a couple, uh, Donald Sutherland and I want to say Julie Christie. During the opening of the film, they're just going on about their day. They're getting ready for the day. She's getting dressed. He's getting ready. Um, he's, um, I believe, he's a professor. Um, so there's there's slides that uh, that are like handed back and forth for like one of his presentations, um, and the film opens. The, the one her, her their daughter is playing outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she happens to trip and she drowns in a very shallow pond. I think I watched that. Yeah. It's, like years the, ago, but I think I watched Yeah, that. the opening of this movie is an editing clinic. If you ever wanted to show somebody what is editing, mm-hmm. show them this scene. Because it is both um, mundane and yeah. everyday and tender, actually, yeah. in terms of how the couple uh, connects, and shocking at the mm. same time. And you just realize the paradox of... They're happening side by side. Like yeah. The daughter is outside, and the the couple's inside, and how he sees it. It's 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 kind of how we process Charlie's death in that mm. we don't we see more than we think we see, mm. um, and it can just be conveyed with something really really quick, um, and it takes them down this spiral with the wife's mental state kind of frazzling, his mental state kind of frazzling. They go away to Venice, and then things really get unglued. 
you were talking about um, the husband's reaction. Yeah. In this movie, in Don't Look Now, um, in the middle of all this, there's still actually a very passionate sex scene. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, kind of this thing of how you can feel so very messed up, but also so... Doing like, regular stuff, like move so, on. Move no, on but also life just, in a sense, But yeah. also just have, like, you know, visceral Other emotions, needs, yeah? yeah, other emotions. And, yeah, yeah it's, it's an incredible movie. It's aged amazingly well, and I kind of feel like it's kind of flown under the radar. It's a Nicholas Rogue film from 1973, and if you were to go and watch it now, you would see every single parallel mm. into Hereditary minus the possession and, yeah. the, and the craziness. It, it also has a shocking ending, not as shocking as Hereditary, <laughs> um, but it's it's an amazing movie. I'm actually overdue to get back to it, so I'm actually going to probably, uh, after this show, like chase it down. Criterion has a great edition mm. of it, and I mean, you're watching Christie and Sutherland like at the height of their yeah. at the height of their, their acting chops. Yeah, I have to check it out. Yeah, it's a really good movie. Um, get Out. Let's talk about Get Out. Okay, so for Get Out... Um, Get Out is very visual, and there's a lot of things that are very subtle in um, in the visuals. And for me, so okay, like so, when they're arriving to the house, like he strikes a dare, like she drives, she's driving, and she strikes a dare, and it's a stag. And like um, dealing with um, black heritage, like we know during slavery, like they they would call not I said stag bucks, Buck, um, yeah. they would call black men bucks. So that like unless you're from unless you really you're you're really into like um slavery in like the history of slavery and, and terminology, you you wouldn't necessarily have gotten it unless someone told you like I but my sister and I we immediately got it because she's turned to me and I and we we looked at each other hmm. and we were like Bucks. And I like we didn't know what get out was gonna be about and I, I was like, wait a minute. Hmm. And then so they got to the um to the house and you're realizing they're setting up for an auction. And then, so a lot of the visual cues for me in the house, especially regarding the personality of Rose and her family is conveyed in like little um, accessories they have around the house. And there's little things that she does. And one of the ones that really stands out to me is Rose. She's eating cereal. Like, I eat dry cereal, right? But she's like, the way she does it is so freaking creepy. Like who drinks milk out of a straw? in a glass <laughs> while you're sitting on the bed eating dry cereal with a spoon right who eats dry cereal with a spoon right yeah yeah right and and all and so there's a lot of things like little pictures and then when they get into i think it's in the basement where they, they perform the procedures like you know like there's the chair it looks like the chair for a therapist mm -hmm. and like she's a therapist and she's using the china cup and if you know the history of China, bone china, it came because they actually used to grind up bones to make bone china. Right. And like they're like you break down something to make something else. And that's kind of what they do with the men, with the black men that they capture. They break them down mentally to make them into something else. Yeah. And she's using that to hypnotize him and take him into a place, something different. So I, I was picking up on that. I was like, something maybe I read too much into it. No, and Jordan you know Peele, what? I, and Jordan Peele might say, you know what? That wasn't even what I was going for. But I was like, that's what I was taking uh, out of it's, it. It's one of those things. I mean. It's funny because there's always the belief that sometimes a chair is just a chair. Yeah. Right? But at the same time, Jordan Peele's a smart guy. Yep. And Jordan Peele is the kind of guy who likes to layer. Mm -hmm. his, Jordan Peele's the kind of guy who likes to layer his comedy. Yeah. Right? Like you watch episodes of Key and Peele and there's levels to what's going yeah. on with a lot of their stuff. I don't doubt that a lot of this stuff was really thought mm -hmm. through. And even if, like, you know, 
even if even if not, yeah. somebody might have pointed out to him afterwards, and he just said, "Yeah, let's let's run with that. Yeah. That's a good idea." Um, you were talking about the sound, and for me, the sound in Get Out is yeah. is one of those key things, like the. The, the, the way she hypnotized him with the stirring of the cup, that spoon scraping across mm -hmm. the bottom over and over and over, you have to be in a theater for that to fully affect that you. Was, that, was, that was something else to hear yeah, in the theater. It's crazy. I'm not really misophonic mm -hmm. in terms of sounds really getting me. That was, I'm like, this is upsetting me and I can't Pick, place you can't figure out why. why. You know, I, I, I drink tea. I know the sound of a spoon scraping a cup. I know this sound. It never bothers me. Why is this bothering me? You know what? I, you know what? I, I Something just occurred to me. I was wondering if maybe you thought maybe you were going to get hematized listening to it too. Maybe. I've never been. Like, so. no, I know, right? But it's like, you're, you're, you're there's this possibility, like, could I get hematized listening to this <laughs> chick doing this thing? Because I'm sitting in a chair. Yeah. Like, listening to her do this. And so, like, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes these irrational thoughts occur to you. Mm -hmm. And so, like, for, for Get Out, you have those visual cues that I mentioned. And then for um, Hereditary, there's the, um, these, there's the visual cues of the toys that Charlie's making. Yeah. And, like, her mom makes miniatures and she's making toys out of these. Um, like you're you're thinking, oh, she inherited her artistic ability from her mother. Yeah. So I, I was picking up on that, and um, but then some. There's something weird that happens in like. There's a scene. I was wondering if maybe it was a, a problem with continuity in like, the mom comes into the room and all of the toys that we all of the pieces of the toys that we saw Charlie building like the twigs and stuff is not on the table. Right. And it was like, I'm like, is this a problem? It was like, is this a continuity error? Like, maybe they forgot to like put all the stuff back because yeah, yeah. Charlie didn't have an opportunity to clean the table. Right. And they kept everything in the house yeah. and everything in Charlie's room the way as it was when she died. But when you look at the table, the twigs are gone. Yeah. All we so see it's, is it's a clue like, that we're not, like, we're seeing it, but we don't know that we're seeing yeah, it. Yeah, but that's, and I saw that. I was like, where's all of Charlie's stuff? Like, yeah. where are the twigs? Where are the pieces of the cans and all this stuff? And it was like, maybe I'm not looking at it, but then it was like, I, I, but then they take another scene. I was like, no, the stuff is missing. And then um, there's, like, the vac like the room when, like, just before the husband catches fire, I noticed everything that was in there is gone. Mm -hmm. So all you have is a hardwood floor the fireplace and and a few maybe odds and ends but i was like i'm pretty sure there was a rug there there before. was a rug there yeah. before and we didn't see her move the rug no. and i was doubting myself I'm like did i imagine i was like i'm pretty sure there's a rug there yeah and so it was telling me things are missing things are slowly changing in the house and we don't see how they're changing right yeah. even so, when like when when um Peter and Steven come down for that. Uh, like when she wakes them up and says, I got it, yeah. I got it, I fixed it. Like, come on, like, I got it. And they go downstairs and uh, Steven goes to close the window. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, 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 don't touch that. I, we it has to be exactly the same. It has to be like same. that. And I'm like, why is that window open? Yeah. It's clearly cold. You're clearly out in the exactly. middle of nowhere. Why did you do that? Exactly. You know, and, and it's just never touched, never explained, mm -hmm. right? That she just, she happened right? to open so, it. Right, so it was it's those, those, it's those visual, visual things that, yeah, were, that I kept should, picking up on, right? And yeah. And as and like for um, and, and they're in Get Out too. And yeah, sure. right. And so and then there's a scene that really it it, it kind of got to me, and it kind of reminded me of the scene where he's asking for the keys, asking Rose for the keys. Mm -hmm. But it's not necessarily the same thing in context. But it reminded me of that because this is when Peter Gosset gets home, and we see a shot of the car, and you're wondering, is she really sitting down in the car? Yeah. Like like she doesn't look like a real person. Like you're wondering if this is a, a some weird. <laughs> visual effect that we're seeing is yeah. like my mind playing tricks on me and he's standing there and he's like still and you can see he's working up the courage to go inside and mm -hmm. and i'm wondering like why doesn't she go to him 
and like you, you, you. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, if, she, if she's really in the car, like she would get up and go to her son. But she just, and I, it only occurred to me that she was really in the car right. when the car moved. Yeah, yeah. So it reminded me of that. That reminded me of Ghetto because like he's working up that courage the same way how David, his name was David, right, was working up the courage. Chris. Chris, I keep calling him David because I've done that before. Why Chris is the same way how Chris is work, coming slowly to this realization that. Rose is playing with me. Mm-hmm. Rose, give me the keys, and he's working up, and he's like intense. And Peter does the same thing. He's standing there, getting ready to go in his house, and he's working up the courage. I have to go. I have to go and get to do this. So it, it might like the context is completely different. Mm-hmm. But I just I had that flash in my head when I was watching it. No, it's it's a great pairing. It's it's been it's been a really good few years for more thoughtful horror and thriller and mm-hmm. genre film. Like I I, I kind of feel like the whole. Uh, the whole, I, and I, I could be talking out of my ass here. This might've been always there for the last several yeah. years and I just missed a bunch, but I sort of feel like the whole genre has just leveled up mm-hmm. that, that people are making some smarter movies and saying, yeah. we can unnerve you. We can make you feel uncomfortable. We can scare your ass and we can say some relevant shit, yeah. you know, um, in, in terms of whatever it is, whether it's race, whether it's grief, mm-hmm. whether it's, um, you know, uh, misogyny, all these things we can put into these movies and make you think a little bit more while we're messing you up. Yeah. Um, one of the one, the other one that came to my mind is a movie from last year as well, which again isn't scary, but it's really, really unnerving and messed up. Is Killing of a Sacred Deer? Did you see that movie? I heard about it because it showed at TIFF when yeah. I was there, and a lot of people were talking about. It, and I really wanted to see that, but I it was showing this a. I didn't get to see it because I saw um, a season in Paris okay. instead. Yeah. But a lot of people were talking about it when it was in the line to see the film. Yeah. And I was like, I really want to see this film. But yeah. It's another. It's another movie. It's not. It, it's really not a horror, right? Mm. Like it's not. It's not scary. Um, it is bleak mm. because it's about. You actually don't even. Know I, what I, I kind of don't want to tell you. Um, yeah. But you, the minute you enter this movie for like five minutes, you know something's wrong. Yeah. And, and the, part of the reason why you know something's wrong is because the main character, um, Stephen, played by Colin Farrell, mm-hmm. um, inside of the first ten minutes, he's talking to a teenage boy outside of his hospital. Mm-hmm. Right? Like he's a doctor. Yeah. And he's talking to a teenage boy outside of his hospital. And you're thinking in your head, He's this. This boy is obviously not his son. Mm-hmm. There are only so many Situations. scenarios yeah. where a grown ass man should be talking to a teenage boy mm-hmm. in a strange place that jive. And after you get done with those one or two scenarios, yeah. this is inappropriate, yeah. and you don't know why. Mm-hmm. So it leaves you off kilter like that for a good long time, and shit starts happening mm. to the family. It's kind of like what we're seeing in Hereditary, where. Charlie appears to be really um, withdrawn and really going through her own um, grief, but nobody's consoling her. And, you know, uh, uh, Peter? Yeah. Like, Peter's got his shit going on. And everybody's just so disconnected and just sinking deeper and deeper, but nobody's talking. It's like you're watching the ship go down. Yeah. And you can't, like, you know, you can't bail for Mm -hmm. them. You see that in The Killing of a Sacred Deer, too. Mm. You watch this family, something is up, and you don't understand why until you're at least halfway in and all is revealed, and it is dark. It is dark what has happened and what the solution appears to be, and it is glorious. Um, The guy who directed this is the same dude who did 
lobster and uh, dog tooth. Um, Still haven't seen lobster. Oh, he's, the guy makes the weirdest movies. Like they seem so normal. They seem so pleasant yeah. and sweet at first. And then, you know, you peel off one layer and it's like, oh, this fruit is so rotten. <laughs> um, it's it's such a good movie. Kill it's on Netflix now, too. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah. Well, then I'll give... Uh, which one? Lobster or... Killing Lobster is two. Killing of a Sacred Deer. I'll give them a look then. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and that's... These are the kinds of movies I love. I love... I love the messed up. You know? I, it, it's, it's, I it's like messed up to thing. a certain point where it makes sense. Where it's messed up and it serves a purpose. I but mean, if there's some films that are messed up for the sake of just, for just like minutes, no, yeah, no, no, no. It's like I, I feel like it's it's stayed with me. It's 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 kind of the crazy thing that like I was reading this weekend, and I'm probably actually going to write something about it. But, but maybe even by the time this episode goes up, um, director Christopher McQuarrie, mm. um, yeah, he did like we did one of the last Mission Impossible movies. Uh, he did Oblivion with Tom Cruise as oh, well. Yeah. So he is, and he was the screenwriter for The Usual Suspects. Mm. He was saying that he approaches film. He's been approaching film incorrectly and getting hung up on whether or not they're good and whether or not they're well executed when he said, when he realized just recently none of that matters. What matters is how it made me feel. Exactly. And that's what I'm that's what I'm saying with something like, okay, we come away from a movie like Civil War. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed Civil War. Yeah. Okay. I'm a I'm a comic nerd. I'm an action movie nerd. I love it. It was lots of fun. Yeah. At the end of it all, it didn't make me feel a whole lot. Yeah. Killing of a Sacred Deer, I'm not going to throw that on for kicks. Mm -hmm. I'm sooner going to throw on Civil War. Yeah. But Killing of a Sacred Deer made me feel deeply uncomfortable, deeply affected, and, and yeah, scared in some ways. Right. And, and that's what I love about these kinds of movies. Get Out, uh, Don't Look Now, all these kinds of movies, they are, they are deeply affecting. Right. Because I find for me, like, the, the kind of, the films that I, that really stick with me and the ones that I would consider my favorites, when everyone asked me, because people are always like, oh, that's a, uh, where list like when you had asked me and yeah. I would say I, I always talk about it and people say I might, people might say talk about it way too much but I don't care um, the BBC adaptations of Pride and Prejudice the reason mm. I love those films <laughs> the reason I love that series is I, I get so invested in the characters right. and like I know the payoff I've seen it like yeah. dozens of times but I know the payoff and it's like each time I'm like anticipating when um, when, when Elizabeth is gonna tell off Mr. Darcy yeah. and I just, the way how she delivers that line, I'm like, yes, I would love the opportunity to tell someone off of that. <laughs> and and also, like, I mentioned, I've mentioned Train to Busan. And I love this film yeah. because it's so freaking unexpected. Yeah. And the way how I feel, like, I've seen this film probably four or five times already. And I watched in one year, last year. And the reason I love this film so much is how it makes me feel. Mm -hmm. And not only because it's technically, I think it's a masterpiece technically with how they use a train mm -hmm. to tell a zombie story, but the, my emotions, like I am fully invested in these characters. Yeah. Even the even the arbitrary ones with the with the with the guys from the baseball team and the and the cheerleaders yeah, yeah. and the two grandmas, I'm invested in every yeah. single one. Yeah. And like so that's I I people may say oh it's just the thing. I'm like no yeah the emotional impact for these films that's what stays with me that's what makes me love film so much that I love technic I love the technical aspects of films like I can look at Hereditary and say from a technical standpoint I think it's a brilliant film yeah but even though I didn't see the whole film no. I, I I give applause to Ari Aster for making me actually leave the freaking <laughs> cinema that, I, that's why I said yeah. it, a brilliant I yeah. mean, you made me leave the cinema to go. kudos to you you deserve awards <laughs> just for that oh right? man um, thank you so much that is episode 201 
of the matinee cast i want to thank carolyn for coming by so much um come on back everybody on monday july 2nd for episode 202 um there's a lot of good stuff coming out in june so i'm not sure what we're going to talk about yet uh that's still up for debate and uh, i'm certainly open to suggestions um carolyn's rating is at sci-fi.com the boot and her podcast, so here's what happened. Is there anything like people can look forward to after next weekend or um, the, the, that's going to post this weekend? You, um, you can look forward to the live tweets that I do every Saturday night, oh, 10 yeah. p.m. Eastern with um, Saturday Night Sci-Fi. But if anything, you can catch me every Saturday night on Twitter doing um, a live tweet. We have Coco lined up, and then the week after that, we're not sure. So if you would love to um, tweet me with suggestions of anything that's on Netflix or readily available online, please do. And coming up, um, is my podcast so here's what happens so at the end of every month we go through our recommendations and our review of our favorite films TV shows and books for the month and I'm always talking about the expense so watch that but I'll be talking about some K-dramas <laughs> that okay. I watched okay and um, so yeah I think that's so the good. one so here's what happened for the end of June you're probably going to be talking about Hereditary aren't you I will probably <clears throat> be talking yeah. about Hereditary okay. Looking for it for sure. And if people can, uh, people want to follow you on Twitter. Where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Carrie C A R R I E C N H one two, and I'm always on Twitter. Like I'm always interacting with people, so you can always find me. I'm nice. probably on there too much, but I don't care. No, no. Um, interacting with people, talking about film, TV, random stuff. Like yeah. <laughs> perfect. My uh, there will be a link in the show notes if people mm-hmm. want to follow Carrie as well. Uh, my site is thematinee.ca. For more audio content, you can find back episodes by going to thematinee.ca slash podcasting. You can also find them on Pocket Cast, Stitcher Radio, Blueberry, Apple's podcast app, the iTunes Store, Google Play, You're Welcome, Paulo, and everywhere where better podcasts are found. You get handy ways to subscribe for free and get alerts where new episodes drop. Feedback on Hereditary or any of the movies we've talked about today can be left in the comment section of the site. You can email ryan at thematinee.ca. Twitter, where I am matinee underscore CA, or Facebook.com slash dark matinee. Any final thoughts? Go see Hereditary, even if I didn't watch all yeah, of Yeah, no, see, <laughs> see it. Like, we have not, I, even though, if you listen to everything we talked about, and we talked about, like, the last 15 minutes of this movie, it you, it needs to be seen to be believed yes. in a theater. <laughs> For Carolyn, I'm Ryan. We'll see you at the matinee. Hey!